morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. Thank you for uh, giving up that extra hour this morning. And uh, it's never good on church life. This uh, next time, time change, you end up coming early to service. So we'll be merciful to anybody. But this day and age, with your phones that do it, you're, you know, I had to find a clock. I just doubt the phone. I just had to find something that has a battery in it to make sure the phone wasn't lying to me. But uh, so anyway, welcome to the Vineyard. Those online, thank you for joining us. And we're so glad that you're here uh, with us in the Lord's presence. Sweet. And thank the worship team for leading us today. And, you know, last week was an amazing Sunday for us. We, we celebrated our kind and it kept growing and growing. I still don't know exactly. We're, so, we're going to come in somewhere near the 400 number of children sponsored uh, for a, a year uh, at $120 a child. That's like a lot of money. And it's awesome. And uh, my friend Brian from Convoy of Hope that was up here uh, was just so celebrative uh, uh, for what this church is doing. He had uh, someone that was a snowbird in this church that's a assistant pastor, went back up north, challenged his church. They went in for a small church. They went in for 5000 for Convoy of Hope. And so it's just like a, a ripple uh, effect. And then after the first service last week, I, I uh, was uh, challenged by someone in our service that says, I have $10,000 for the vineyards in Ukraine if you can match it. And so we're, uh, we're, we're doing that. Uh, uh, we're, I think, right around 2,000 matching. That makes it four. So we get the five, that's 10. We get the 10, that's 20. So if you have a, a place uh, uh, to be able to, to do that and like to designate something towards that, um, uh, we would welcome you to do that just right. Uh, uh, Ukraine on your check and uh, or put it on uh, you can you can give online so we're excited this morning after even if you didn't plan on it we could make room for you after service this morning in the gap we have our new members course that's about two hours long with lunch child care and it's the way in to really discover who we are as a church what it means to belong and in discovering the vineyard family uh, warts and all so we have a great time together we'd love you to join us if you'd like to do that just show up you can't sign up doesn't do any good because we won't get the card until but just show up and we'll be right after this service we'll be back uh, in there all right we're in Joshua chapter 3. Now, we're kind of jumping around a little bit in the story because last week we followed up on Rahab and how that she had made the deal with the spies and had faith and rescued her whole family. And when they did attack Jericho and the walls came, she was the one that was rescued and saved. And so we're kind of backing up in the story to before they actually get to Jericho, they have a barrier. They have a, a crisis, if you will. Uh, I was listening to a, a, he's a kind, gentle, humble, wise. It sounds a lot like me. I know I'm describing, but, uh, but Dr. David Jeremiah is on the radio and he's just a, a great communicator. And he is all of those things, kind, gentle, wise. And, and, uh, but he has had a bout with cancer, uh, and had to have a stem cell transplant. I don't know where he is on that journey, but I was hearing him interviewed, but he talked about the Christian life and we think of it in terms of coming to Jesus and it's a straight line right to heaven. But the reality is, is that it's full of, of bends in the road that you didn't expect. You didn't sign up for. You weren't wanting. And he wasn't looking to get cancer. It was a bend in the road. Others of you have gone through things in life that just came upon you. Uh, that you weren't looking. You weren't wanting a divorce. You weren't looking to lose your job. You weren't looking to have your children go astray. You weren't, you know, those bends in the road come. 
So I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about uh, how God guides us through crises. Now, same principles apply in normal life. You don't, a crisis, again, it's not always a bad thing. A crisis could be you've got an opportunity for a job change. And it's a crisis in the sense it's a, it's a, it's a very significant decision that you have to make. And little decisions are important uh, to God, but it, you don't weigh everything the same. What grocery store you're going to go to might matter to some more than others. Uh, but And you might say, Lord, give me wisdom what store to go to. I, that, nothing wrong with that. But that's a little different than who am I going to marry? What, what career am I going to take? Where am I going to live? What church am I going to be part of? How am I going to handle uh, cancer? How am I going to deal with the death in a family of a loved one? How am I going to deal with children that have gone astray? and broken our heart, all those giant things in life that the Bible gives us principles and guidelines, but it doesn't say how to handle every situation literally. You have to learn to have faith and principles that God gives us. So we're going to walk with Israel as they get ready to cross the Jordan to go into their promises that God has given them. And, And if there's anything you'll learn about God's will this morning, it's not just something, it's like if you've ever been a fisherman and tried to catch a snook, a, you don't ever buy, catch a snook by accident. You know, you just happen to catch a big, you know, world record snook. I've tried many times and caught nothing. I mean, you've got to have the right bait, the right place, the right tides, the right time, the right, you know, there's smart fish. And if you do get them on, you can't get, and, and, and so it's not that God's will's hard to discover. It's that it's sometimes hard to walk out. And, but, but when we say, I don't know what God wants me to do, it's usually because you're not seeking what God wants you to do. And because he wants you to know his will. It's like a dad or a mom isn't going to hide from their children what they feel is best for them. Well, I'm not going to tell you, little Johnny. You figured it out on your own. You're four. You should know this by now. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, 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 no. And if we, with our children want them to know what's best and not that they understand everything sometimes you have to tell them no and they don't understand why you know and that's where we think if God would just give us more information we could understand everything no you don't understand the complaint it'll take another world to sort out this life it'll take the new heavens and the new earth so Joshua's leading so in one sense this is a corporate kind of a a guidance principles that applies to a nation of over a million people on the move but it also can have practical uh, principles for your life as we go through it. So I hope that you'll find that and it'll be helpful this morning. So we'll start in Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. And there they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. What if you just stopped on that verse? And what if God just whispered to you to say, there's some really cool stuff's going to happen tomorrow, but I want you to be ready for it or you're going to miss it. 
Now, that would just amp up your attention, I would hope. And I think that's what you want to have the confidence that when you talk about God's will, you're not talking about just a good idea. You're talking about the God of the universe that knows every every possibility of every option that could ever happen in your life. And and if you went this way, that way, this way, that way, this way, that way, this way, and, and he would know every outcome of every possibility of every chance of every, he has all knowledge and no one loves you more than he does. So the trust factor is he knows what's best. You got to start with that premise. And Joshua started with a premise that God knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going and he knew what was best for them. So the first thing they do in finding God's will is that they pitch tent and camp out. Now, it's amazing to me, and I love this. It's so practical. In verse 1, they camped before crossing. They pitched the tent. Now, why did they do that? Because they weren't ready to cross over. God wasn't ready. What, what did they, well, they, God had things he wanted to do. See, oftentimes, the will of God isn't clear to us because God wants us to pause and to pitch a tent and, and not be in a hurry. Now, I get it. Some things necessitate a decision quickly and that's where you have to lead from your core you have to go from what you feel best that you know when you're in a a crisis that you have to make something a sudden decision but most of the decisions we make and if you just paused right now and rewound your life a little bit and you think through some of the most significant decisions that you made that were horrible and what do those decisions all have in common I guarantee you one thing it has in common is you didn't stop and figure out what did God want you to do. You might have said, Lord, what do you want? And then, boom, I'm doing it. it. You don't make a horrible decision if you're seeking God for what decision you ought to make. When you're seeking God, that means you're at his timetable. It's not just what he wants you to do, but when he wants you to do it, how he wants you to do it. Those are important things to the will of God. So when you pause and say, I need to camp out here. I need to, I need to, I need to take and buy some. I used to have a friend always say to me, Jamie, you just need to buy some time. You know, you just need, you don't, don't panic here. Just buy some time. What he meant by that was give God a chance to work. Give God a chance to give you clarity. Don't launch out, as they say, you know, if you're halt, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, don't make a decision. Well, this is halting. I don't know if they're hungry or angry or lonely or tired, but those are never good. You never make a, a good decision never comes out of any of those things. But when you pause, now they're not building a home here. They're not settling, saying, God, this is it. They're just, they're just saying, we're, we're taking a pause. Waiting is not an activity. It's not passive. It's not lazy. It's work. You'll, th- you'll go through this message today and you'll go, wow, that's hard work figuring out what God wants you to do. They have a little saying in the construction world, measure twice, cut once. Well, that sounds so obvious, but me not being the good carpenter that I'm not, I just, boo, I just move ahead. Or maybe I should have measured that. Now the board's too small. And you can't just use redneck caulking and fix every mistake. You know, it's, you got four inches there, dude. It's not even going to touch. It's not get, did you get, well, cause I couldn't find my tape measure. It's hard to measure when you don't have a tape measure. So you just guess. And I never guess right. And it's that way with the will of God. You, you, you measure, you, you, wait a minute. 
Because, and again, I'm not talking about a decision of what, what, what new shirt you want to get. I'm not talking about superficial. I'm talking about these are decisions that if you get them wrong, they're going to be consequences the rest of your life. If you get them wrong, it's going to affect other people for a long time to come. You get them wrong, and you're going to have a massive backwash of a bad decision here. So these are, these are crisis moments that the first thing you do is force calm. You find a place to camp out. Say, God, I'm, putting my, I'm pitching a tent right here. I'm not going until I have clarity. And if there's anything I've learned with leading this church with my wife and I, we will not move until God gives us clarity. And that puts us dependent on him. And, and why, Jamie, why don't you guys, because God hasn't given us clarity. We haven't discerned the will of God and how he wants us to, pro- so the, you don't do any, you, you wait. They camped out. Now, while they're camping, he said they send officers in verse two, three days after the officers went throughout the camp, they gave orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the priests and the Levites carrying it, you're to move out and follow it. Now, up to this point, for 40 years, they followed a big cloud. And, and Moses would say, let's go. And they'd say, how do you know? Because the cloud moved. And they followed the cloud. We're talking over a million people wandered in a desert, followed a cloud by day and a fire by night. You never knew. Cloud stop. How long is it? I don't know. Are we going to be here a week, a day? Are we there yet, Dad? I grew up without video games, driving to, to vacation every year. No video game. We had to make up games. I spy and, and those little card games. Who can see the red truck going by? You know, and, and, you know, it was brutal. We just drugged our children, and they, they just had been a drill. No, we didn't. <laughs> he did. He drugged his children. But it's, I threw, you threw me off. See, I could feel that corporate. <gasps> I really, gone. How long are you camping depends on what the orders are going to be. And, and, and the cloud moves. You don't know how long is it going to, I don't know. And, and when you, let me tell you about the character of, of our God. And if you push him, he slows down. It's like that car that gets up on your rear end. Never motivates me to speed up. I learned, by the way, that that's road rage in a reverse form. I did, taking a driver's test instead of getting points on my license for a, for a terrible polling for speeding. And it was just totally unjust because it was only 10 miles over the speed limit. And that's unjust. I mean, come on. Didn't even give me a chance to say I was a pastor on my way to church. I mean, that's, that's even worse. He didn't say, where are you in such a hurry? Got to be at church, important man of God. <laughs> didn't even ask me. Just wrote me a tick. I felt defiled. <laughs> were you speeding? Yes, but you know, that's for other people. <laughs> but I took that course, I found out slowing down. When gone, when you push him, he just slows down. He, you're going to push him around. You're not going to panic God into, because you know what? He cares more about you loving him than getting the answers from him that you want. And he'll withhold an answer of guidance so that he can spend more time in your presence. It's a lot like my grandson would call me on a regular basis. Hey, Grandpa. Hey, listen, can I borrow the Jeep? And I just I literally had to tr- just training. 
I said, buddy, let's back up the tape. You say, hey, Grandpa, this is Riley. Hey, Riley, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, Grandpa. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. What's going on? Hey, Grandpa, I need to borrow the Jeep. I said, it's the same difference, but you at least engaged with me a little bit. You, you, you made me feel a little bit like you loved me. You cared about me. I don't care. Fake it. You know, but just go through the... Honest to God, he called back. It wasn't a few days. Hey, Grandpa, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, can I borrow that Jeep? <laughs> Check. You know, gone is is as much. He just he 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 he's more concerned about you and him than he is about you in whatever it is that you. Not that it's not important, but he's more important than whatever that is. That's why Jesus taught us to seek first the kingdom of God. That means you have to have a place in life like these people. They're waiting on God's orders. Now, in their context, it came through leaders. In a military type, Joshua heard from God. God gave Joshua orders. Joshua delegated them to, to the officers, and they spread the word to the camp. Get ready when you see the ark. It's not the cloud anymore. It's the box, the ark that represents the, the presence of God. When it moves, we're going. And, and I learned from this principle that when you're waiting on God and you're camping out, you got to listen for wise advice. And I think, you know, and part of that's being under authority. And, you know, we often say around here in the vineyard, we'll know where your pastors the first time we tell you no and you blow up on us. I, I, one of our younger pastors I had a, 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 a difficult assignment, but they had to tell a couple no to something that they wanted us to do, and it wasn't what God wanted us to do, and he told them no. They thought I sent him there just to be, I wouldn't have to do it. And I said, no, it was his point, it was his idea, it was his area, and he went and had a conversation, it was kind. But no matter how kind you are, when the word no comes out, it's a dirty word. You can say no is no with tear in your eye does that help tell a teenager no next time with a tear in their eye you think they're gonna go oh you love me and you're telling me no because you love me no you told me no no who are you to tell us no well it had to do with the church and they're one of the leaders of the church responsible to God and we said, no, it wasn't telling you what to do with your life. It's what we're going to do with the church. And we're not bullied into doing things or coerced or manipulated. or You know, I, we say no all the time. But if you're part of us and you're told no, you may not like it, but you know, it comes from a core of values that say we make decisions. Well, in this case, if most, again, rewind the tape to some of your horrible decisions you made. If you went to the bag boy or bag girl at Publix, before you made that decision and you said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, what do you think? And at 17-year-old with acne, on some of the decisions we've made, could have looked at you and go, I don't know, I think about that. <laughs> Seriously, I've seen some of the most bizarre things Christians do, and the one thing they have in common, they never ask or they didn't listen to anybody else. They sought their own counsel. It's never good. What counsel did you seek? Mine. Me and me agree. You're never in a good place when it's you seeking you to tell you what you ought to be doing. You're stuck with you. I don't care if you agree with you. 
I don't care if you think you're pretty smart. It's just you. And God says, no, you've got to learn to listen to orders, guidance, advice. My wife and I and our team, we model to them, we never make a significant decision in this church without first obviously seeking God, pitching a tent, waiting before we cross, but listening, listening to wise advice, seeking counsel. Other people can't tell you the will of God, but they can be a check and a balance and say, I'd be careful about it. Be, I'd, I'm not sure about that. Or that sounds like God's really stirring something in you. And, and so they camped, they waited, they listened, and then they looked for God to move. Now, wouldn't it, some of us would think, wouldn't it be nice if the ark just came up beside this individual and now the ark is beside them and we know we're supposed to marry that person because the ark's there. Or the ark moves over to this job site and you followed the ark there and you found the perfect job because you followed the box. Or you followed the box and it went to the hospital and it gave you the wisdom on whether you're to pull the plug or leave them on the ventilator. And wouldn't it be easier to have a box that just kind of guided us. But you know what is missing with just following a box? Is relationship. Without relationship, the will of God becomes some kind of mechanical, informational direction. It's like God's a GPS. God's positional, what's the S stand for? System? I don't know, GP, global positional system. God, God do, I go, do I go here or there? What do you say? Siri. Yeah, we want God to be like Siri. I ask, you answer, I decide if I like it or not and move on. And he says, That's not God. He doesn't do well. He doesn't do well with yes or no questions. I've often tried this with God. God, do you want me to do this? Yes or no? I always hear this from God. Yes, no. No, yes. When I back him into a corner and say, I want to know yes or no, should I do this? Yes. No. No, yes. Now, he's not messing with me. It's just, that's on how he wants me to relate to him. He wants me to love him. He wants me to seek him. He wants, and he wants us to do what, what uh, Joshua says to the people in verse 5. Consecrate yourself. For tomorrow, God's going to do what he says. What's that got to do with the will of God? It's, it's not being perfect, but it's, it's having a right relationship. And if something's off, you get it right. If you've got something inside you that needs to be confessed to God, you confess it. You repent. It's not earning to be clear on what God wants you to do. It's being cleansed so you can see what God wants you to do, because if you're not clean and you're not walking in a sense, it's like this, it's like a marriage. When you're in a close relationship with your spouse, you know as a husband immediately if you offended your wife, even if she's smiling. Is that not true, men? You see this right in the eyes. The involuntary pain that, oh God, I just hurt her. I embarrassed her. Now, if I never see that and never pick up on that, that means I'm disconnected in an unhealthy way. I don't, it may not be the eye, maybe another feature, tone in her voice or whatever it is. But when you're, when you're connected to someone and you love them, you, you usually, now there are times you miss it, but usually you know when you've offended them, when you've hurt their feelings. 
And it's not by them uh, going, their heads spinning around on their shoulders. It's just you're, you're, but when you're disconnected from a person, you don't really care whether you've hurt their feelings. You've hurt their feelings so bad and they've hurt, you've cut off from each other. And all you do is keep piling on the hurt. So what do you do? You've got to get cleaned out. You've got to communicate. You've got to confess. You've got to forgive. You've got to work through it. Then you can come to an agreement on what decisions that you ought to make. So marriage forces people into, if you're going to have any equality in your marriage, it forces you to do the hard work for both of you to seek God, for both of you to have a sense of what you feel God wants you to do. But you've got to be right with each other to do that. You can't be right with God and mad at your wife and know what the two of you are going to do. God's going to say, go get things right with your wife. Yeah, but I want to know what I ought to do here. Do that first. But that's hard work. I just want to know the way. Siri, do I take this or not? See, we don't want the hard. It's, this is hard work. They're doing hard work before the battle. The battle's not. This is harder than the battle. This is the battle. Waiting on God, listening, submitting your heart afresh to the Lord. He says back in verse 4, when the ark moves, don't get too close to it. Now, that's not God giving a principle that you can't be too close to Jesus. What he's saying is, don't outrun him. It's a beautiful picture. He says, this is over a million people having to watch one box. Can you imagine if they all gummed up around it? In the back, you ain't seeing anything but the back of, you know, the, the back of the back of the back of somebody's head. Now you end up following, you're not following the box. Somebody's crowded around God's will. You can't see God from the people around it. They're not following the priest. They're following the ark of the covenant that goes before him. It's the way maker. He says, you're going to go away. You've never gone before. And that's most of our life. It'd be different if I'd been down this road 10 times. And I know, no, it's, it's not. It's every turn in the road is a new path where you've never been there before. There's no rule book on it. And there are others that might have taken that path and you can gain wisdom from them. But it, God keeps us in that place of, I need you, Lord. I can't figure you out. I don't know which way you're gonna go next. I can't guess it. But God knows the way that he'll lead you through the crisis. If you'll wait on him, you'll listen, you'll watch for what God, what do you mean by watch, Jamie? Well, you, you, you learn like within a marriage, you have signs and nuances and tones and body language and things without even verbally. You know when, when you're, you, I can tell in my wife's voice on the phone if she's, if she's stressed or, or upset or if she's just, hey, you know, and she, you know, it's just that kind, buttery, honey filled voice. I, I, I just, and, and, but, but I hear it and I hear there's, there's some, there's some pain there. There's some, there's some, there's some tension or some concern. And, and you, you learn those, even though she may say the hey, the same, hey, it's hey with a whole different nuance. And when God leads us, he wants us to pay attention to have a relationship with him where he speaks to us, not like robots, but that sense of, mm, 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 mm. Now, that's a lot of times, that's what I hear from the Lord, just that, that sigh. I don't hear it here. Just, again, if you're, if you're surrendered, you, you've gone, I, I want my heart clean. I, I don't want to outrun you. 
I want to give a healthy distance so I know if you're turning right or left or if you're stopping, I don't want to run you over. I don't want to run past you. I want a healthy sense of, God, I need you for the next step and the next step and the next step. Not that you're going to show me 20 miles down the road. But it got to have that relationship with the Lord when I know that I'm not listening and I've made a wrong turn and God goes, mm-mm. And I, if, if you don't hear that sense, then you're missing something in your relationship with God. He doesn't speak to me audibly. I've been walking with him my whole adult life. And I've, I've heard an audible voice a couple times in my sleep, whether it was God or just a, a dream or vision, I don't know. But I hear nudges. I hear whispers. I hear little tiny, mm-mm, mm, yes. I, I, I know peace. When you walk with God, you learn what peace is. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't war in Ukraine. That doesn't mean you're having a great week. That doesn't mean everything's going the way you want it to in life. But it means you stand in a place that you know God loves you. You stand in a place that you know God is for you. You stand in a place knowing that God is going to protect you and guide you and direct you. That's the place I want to stand. That's what consecrating your heart does. It helps you to identify, feel, recognize, discern, and know that you're in the path that God wants you in. If you're not right with God vertically and you don't do what verse 5 says, consecrate your heart, surrender, refresh, then you're going to move over here and you're not going to know if you're, if you're not right with God, it doesn't matter where you move horizontally. And so many people, they keep making decisions on a horizontal level, trying to find peace, trying to find some satisfaction, trying to find this. Trying to, they'll jump from church to church to church, marriage to marriage. They'll jump from friendship to friendship. They'll jump from job to job. Jump, because there's not, a, there's not a sense of well-being in God that before I move again, I'm going to have clarity and I'm not going to move until there's clarity. And it's his job to give clarity. It's my job to say, I will follow. His job is to say, this is the way, walk in it. My job is to say, I'll walk in it. I choose to follow you, Lord. If we get it around the other way, and we think it's our job to determine which way to go, and it's God's job to determine if he's going to follow us, then we're in a mess of trouble. Amen? We don't want what we want. We want what he wants, even when we want what we want. Amen? That's a good prayer. If you haven't learned to pray it, Lord, don't give me what I want. Help me want what you want. Because I don't want what you want unless I want what you want. You've got to be ADD to follow that. And if you're ADD, you don't finish it. See, you're not AD. You wanted one more. You were all linear. You had that all figured out. You had it rational. No, no, ADD is like, no, no, don't end it. I can end it however I want to end it. But you get the gist. It's a, it's a, it's a... The will of God is a it's a it, it, it's a it's hard work, and He wants it to be because He wants 
the relationship to be more important than the direction. He wants the love with God more important than the answers to life because oftentimes he can't give us an answer that we could ever even understand if you're asking the why questions. But when you're following God, there's such a release of knowing he's got your future. In fact, I love it when it says the ark representing God in verse uh, um, Verse 11, you'll see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And then he goes on and says, as soon as you set foot. But you know, while they were waiting for three days, you know what happened to the river? It says down in verse uh, 15 that it was swelling because it was the flood season. God, can I help inform you here that we're waiting, camping, and every day we wait, the, 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 the water gets higher. It means it's going to be harder to cross. I'm waiting, but I'm see- Now, you're not supposed to be watching how the water's getting higher. You're supposed to be looking for that ark when it moves. But I can't see the ark moving because all I can see is the water getting higher. And all we do is talk about the water's higher. What are we going to do? Water's higher. That doesn't take any faith to see that the water's higher. It takes faith to see that he's the way maker that takes you through. Doesn't matter how high the water is. Someone used to say the old saying in the South is, you know, uh, 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 something, something, if the creek don't rise. What's the first part of it? Uh, Lord willing, and, and if the creek don't rise. That's a horrible saying. Because if the Lord's willing, it doesn't matter if the creek rises. Sometimes it's just stupidism, people say. Well, I'm, I'm coming if the Lord willing and the creek don't rise. No, if the Lord's willing, it don't matter if the creek rises. In fact, if the Lord's willing, it's better than the creek. Because you know when you get on the other side, the only way I got over there wasn't because I was a good swimmer. You're not going to get a million people to go through the creek that's flooded with babies and children and baggage and stuff. You're going to just sweep away and drive. No, because God says, I want you to get to the other side knowing that the only way you got to the other side is that I brought you to the other side. I'm the way maker. He's the way maker. I'm glad because when the devil gets in my ear and goes, you've got to make the way happen. I'm like, really? Oh no. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get there. I have no help, help. See, that's the devil. God says, I'm the way maker. Wait on me. Trust in me. Listen for me. Let me guide you. I literally feel for people that don't know a God that's their way maker, that are in crisis and the bends in the road that do happen to all of us. And they kind of navigate that in a sense of I'm all on my own. I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm insecure. Yeah, we all are. And knowing God's the way maker doesn't make me feel uh, self-confident, makes me feel God confident. It's like, God, I don't have it. And every time I ever tell God I don't have what it takes, he always says, I know but it's not about you having it. I have it. And that's what we call the power of ugly in this church. It's to be what we sang in that song. It is my confession, Lord, that I'm weak. I don't know. I'm glad I don't know. I, if you said, how do you explain how your life ended up where it is today? I would say because of God's supernatural direction in a very ordinary way shutting doors, opening doors, giving counsel, opening opportunities, getting invited. But it was all based in, God, what do you want? Show me. It's hard work. Has it, do you feel it yet? 
It's hard work to get this will of God thing figured out. He wants it to be hard work. It's not for the lazy. Lazies are going to make bad decisions. Lazies are going to say, well, I said a prayer. Did you get advice? No. Did you read any of the word? No. Did you spend any time waiting? No. I said a prayer. I said the Jabez prayer. Okay. But part of that is, God, give me wisdom. God, give me clarity. But when you get clarity, you do what it says in closing in verse 14. They set foot and it says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. You, gotta, you can't stay camping forever. There's a time where you break camp and you move on. Don't get stuck here saying you're waiting on God to show you something, but he never shows you anything and he just leaves you. God's not going to leave you stuck. He's not going to leave you in a ditch or waiting on him in front of a barrier. He's going to show you how to get through it. He's going to go through it ahead of you. Isn't that good to know the way maker walks ahead of you? It's not a box we follow. It's a person. His name's Jesus. I don't see him with these eyes, but I have to trust him by faith. I have to take him at his word. I have to listen to his voice. I have a relationship with him. If you don't, you could start one today. Now, we're going to close the service. You know, we planned earlier in the week, uh, our, our worship leader, Kelly, uh, she always prayerfully picks the songs, especially the ending song. And uh, she knew she wasn't going to be here today, but she helps lead it. So she picked a song. And I said, that's fine. I don't, she talks to run them by me, but I don't, you know, I rarely have a, a, an opinion because she knows what she's doing. And uh, so she picked this song, Waymaker. Well, in between on Wednesday night at our Nova youth meeting, the, the kids filmed a prayer time and for Ukraine vineyard. There's three vineyards in the Ukraine, like us. And they filmed a, a greeting and, and prayers. And there were kids, we, our kids, weeping for them. And, and they sent it to them. And they connect, I don't know how, so like what, four in the morning, Charles? Like four in the morning, it gets beep. It's Ukraine sending back a thank you by way of them singing a worship song. So I'm gonna invite our worship team to come up and we're gonna join the Ukraine vineyard. They're singing the song Waymaker. Now, this is not a band that you're gonna see fronting for Michael W. Smith, Okay. I mean, they're not, they're just, they're just people that are in a church that are under siege and their lives are at risk. So you put their singing in the context of life. Anybody can sing, you're the way maker when the way seems clear. But when you sing it and you don't know what's ahead and you don't know the bend in the road and you don't know how things are gonna turn out, now there's a level of worship that requires a trust and a faith and a surrender. And when I listen to these, we play this Thursday night at dinner church, and there's a lot of people in there with a lot of needs and pain and life, and they were captivated. I mean, you could have, if you've ever been to dinner church, it rarely gets quiet, and they were captivated. And again, if you just listened to them on YouTube and didn't know the context, you'd say, mm, I probably could sing with them. It's not the quality, it's the 
it's the character, it's the presence of God that you can feel surrounding them and their little simple church as they worship. So I want you to stand up with us and we're going to listen to them and then we're going to join them. Obviously, they're not singing in English. And so let's just uh, listen and worship together with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. 